We're recording. <laughs> you want to... <laughs> Maybe you should just leave this in there. I think I say that every time we do something silly. You should leave this in there. Yeah, you do say it. <laughs> First off, you say, are we recording? And then you're like, we should make a mashup of all the... Are we recording things? Am I wrong, though? You know that would be good. It would be good. Uh... Are you recording now? <laughs> Are you serious? I didn't know if you stopped or not. No, why would I stop? I don't know, because I fucked it up. Um, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Life Lab Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to episode five. Uh, it's Wednesday, February 13th. Uh, my name is Everett Adams. I'm here with my co-host with the most, William Diesel Dorns. What up? Sitting across. We hope you made it through uh, Snowmageddon safely and maybe got to enjoy some of the snow and got some of that work from home to action. It's been a couple weeks since we spoke. Uh, both of us have traveled a little bit, a little bit for business, a little bit for play, which I believe is the only way. Um, in this episode, we talk a little bit about fitness philosophy. We kind of gave our unique perspectives on things ranging from preparation, weightlifting, marathon, and kind of running in general, and that kind of constant pursuit of the perfect marriage between longevity and performance. Shout out to Ben Greenfield. Um, thank you again for tuning in. Um, we hope you enjoy it. And we're live in the Life Lab. So I heard you had a pretty great story to tell <laughs> during Snowbogan here in Seattle, where we've experienced more <laughs> snow and accumulation, I think, in the last week and a half over the previous 10 to 20 years or something like that. Yeah, so- it was actually 1990. Oh, which sounded about right because I think so I told someone the other day years. that. So I decided yesterday for the first day in a couple of days to drive from Madison Park to the Redapt office in Kirkland, <clears throat> and is a great. I, I think it's a worthwhile story because it's it's just kind of ironic. Madison Street here is maintained pretty well. Well, it's like a huge hill, pretty big thoroughfare here. So they plowed that, and I'm lucky enough to get on that without much issue. Take 520 to 405, get all the way, all the way to my office. The like the main, the main entrance street off of a main road I turn onto, and I get stuck immediately onto that road. So as soon as I leave, like basically, you know, the public street, getting into Redapt, I get stuck. And wait, so you, you you're on was on one twenty fourth. You take a right onto the like one that goes into all the business parks, and you just get stuck right there, right there. So I'm like, not only am I Are you stuck, like in the I'm crosswalk, like that like crosswalk. Area? Yes, I'm blocking the entire shit. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I was like, I saw it, like it was what I saw scared me. I was like, should I do this, or should I just turn around and go home, or like? park out here on the street but i was like cars are flying in and out yeah. and like i saw a track and i just underestimated it underestimated it <clears throat> so i get stuck like right there and i'm like immediately i go into story mode i'm like well this is going to be funny because eventually i'm going to get out of here <laughs> yeah. but right now i don't know what the hell i'm going to do so i'm like swizzling my wheel back and forth i'm going forwards i'm going backwards i'm uh my car's got like a lot of horsepower, so it's like actually pretty hard to like try and drive slowly to like get out of the thing. I'm just like digging this hole deeper yeah. and deeper. And I get out and I'm like trying to use my hands and feet to like dig 
some room yeah. out of the front and back of my tires to get out. Nothing is working. <laughs> couple, How long have you been there by this point? We're a couple, we're a couple like minutes in minutes, at this point. Five, ten Cut minutes. Five. I think this is the very beginning of it. Um, one guy... Oh, dude, ironically, one of our cloud engineers pulls up behind me, and he's in this BMW. He's got all-wheel drive, and that doesn't really matter. But I was like, how the hell did you make it in and out? He was coming back from lunch, I think. Um, And he gets out of his car to try to help me and steps directly in, like, a lake. Both feet are fully submerged in water. And I'm immediately like, dude, dude, you don't have to do this. But he's like... Uh, super nice. Uh, shout out to Vince for for trying to help me. I think that's his name. Um, <laughs> he's relatively new. Um, so he tries to like push me, like it's not happening because you can barely get your footing in yeah. this shit. It's like so bad. Uh, so like he takes off. I wonder, like, I need to ask him tomorrow, like, what he ever did with this soaking feet. By the way. <laughs> Um, so then like another guy comes by in a Jeep and he gets out and he's trying different things. He's like, let me try to push you backwards, like basically back out onto the main road. Shit. But that's where there's like, you can actually see pavement. So I'm yeah. like, okay, this will, this will work. Um, that does it. Same deal. He can't really get his footing. And then out of nowhere, this white minivan pulls up and you know, I'm not joking when I tell you these guys, like. Um, I can only say they're Russian because one of them had, well, I'm assuming he had, uh, he was Russian because he had a CSKA Moscow uh, soccer jacket on. So I recognize that club and they all were speaking with these hard accents and, you know, presumably speaking Russian to each other. But they hopped out of this white minivan on either side. The doors slide. There's like four, maybe five of them total get out. And they both... Two of the guys have like snow shovels. So it kind of felt like these guys were looking for people to go rescue. And here I am like, oh God, am I causing such a scene here? Because anyone who comes in or out either has to go around me. By this point, I've probably waved on three or four cars. Uh, So these guys are pushing me and and me like these guys don't even ask anything. You know, like I was going to be like, hey, you know, you guys, would you mind help help me? They just pull up. And the guy, like, I'm in the driver's seat already because this other guy's trying to help me. And the guy just starts yelling. He goes, forward, back, forward, back. I push you forward, we push you back. You have to change gear as we push. You feel us push, you pull. And he's just, like, yelling out of, out of nowhere. The other guy's, like, trying to, like, scoop snow from, like, either side of, like, my wheels. No way. You know? So, like, they had methods out of the gate. Yeah. They're just getting after it. And I'm just like, this is so good. And... Here's the kicker, the part that you don't know yet. As I'm sitting there, I'm joking with one of the other guys, you know, where he was like, dude, why'd you even come in the work? This is a terrible idea. No one's working yeah. back in this business park because he works at one of the neighboring buildings. And I was like, yeah, I know, man. I was like, I should take a picture of this and send it to my boss. Yeah. Flying around the corner is fucking Rick Cantu, our CEO, in his slammed, blacked out Range Rover. And I go to like wave... My windows are like really dark. I don't even know if he knows what kind of car I have, but it's ironic, right? He's driving by and like I'm waving. He doesn't even notice and just drives right by all of those. Like, <laughs> does, doesn't even think. As a matter of fact, I think he kind of sped up to like not get in the not way. Not my problem. Pretty much. Um, 
so anyway, these guys like finally helped me out and they were just like, you know, like I finally got on the road. So they were just like, go, just take off. Like, don't, don't even worry about being stuck in the snow. Yeah. And they, like, everybody kind of cheered and everything. And I, I got out of there and then I, uh, I called Rick a couple of minutes later and I was like, Hey, did you see that car stuck that you, you veered you around? By. Yeah. He's like, was that you? I'm like, yeah, dude. Turns out there were seven people in the office. So I literally just turned around and went home. It was super funny. <laughs> I drove like 25 minutes to the office, like mainly just to get out of the house, like just yeah. to go to the office and the roads here were okay. I didn't even think about that street. That street used to, I mean, it gets really icy and stuff because it's just, you know. Also, I think that's the play <clears throat> next time. Get like four of your friends on like a shitty snow day all buy like snow shovels and get like a like an SUV that has really good tires and mm-hmm. four wheel drive and just drive around like save people. Yeah. That would be, that'd be really legendary. Fun. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Especially if some people were boozing. It'd be real fun. People have, you know, like their personal plows they'll put on trucks. Like everyone in Spokane, not everyone, but a lot of people yeah. in Spokane have those because even around here, like some of the side streets up on the hill, specifically where the streets don't get sun they're like shaded by trees yeah snow will last so much longer yeah. ice will last rain will freeze um but yeah that would be that'd be really fun i would totally consider doing that at some point if i had like an suv like it'd be funny around here because you would literally use it once every 10 yeah. years maybe yeah but when it came in clutch it would be so fun yeah and it probably wouldn't cost you that much yeah i um, really wanted to I really wanted to go take my car and just do donuts in like an abandoned parking lot or something like that because I always used to do that in yeah, high school. Yeah, me too. It was so fun. But I was like, mm, just not worth getting like, not worth getting stuck on the way. Yeah. Um, also, you have a nicer car now. But I really wanted to. Well, back in high school, I would just do it with my parents like <laughs> SUVs. So I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, Did my they dad, know? And my they dad know? Are like, oh, no way. My dad had like this 98 <clears throat> Tahoe. Which is, like, not a good car to, like, do donuts in at all. Like, terrible idea. Yeah, but you feel safe it in it, I'm sure. it was so fun. I fucking love that car. If I could have, like, one SUV ever again, it would be a 98, <laughs> like, Chevy Tahoe. Really? Just for, like, SUVs and fucking around. Like, a fucking around oh. SUV. Okay. Because I love that car. It was so great. <laughs> Did you have any funny stories in the snow? Besides me leaving my car on Broadway for like three days after we partied the other night? Not really. I did see that <laughs> Evan sent me this video of, of this <laughs> on Capitol Hill, like two blocks away from where I from where I live. These guys are having a big snowball fight like across the street. And so naturally like cars that go through it, like they're going to get drilled with snowballs. But like, it's just like snow. This chick is in this SUV. She gets hit with a couple of snowballs flips a Yui, and this guy's like filming it the whole time, of course. She flips a Yui, tries to drive over like five, literally tries to drive over like five people up onto like the sidewalk, gets out, and like people, of course, when she's doing that, people are throwing more <laughs> snowballs at her at her car. Dude, someone was recording this in Seattle? Yeah. So this lady gets are out. Are you saying she tried to run people yeah, over? Yeah, literally tried to run people over. Oh like God, not even kidding. This is a mad lady. Yeah. It was insane. And she gets out of her car and she like puts the keys like in between her fingers like she's going to oh use it. Oh my like, God. And she starts like running at people and then people start throwing more snowballs at her. And then she like, she actually like starts like 
uh, engaging with someone. They're like like taking their shirts off and like grappling each other, like standing up. And there's like 20 people like having a snowball fight. And he's like, lady, what are you doing? So I'm sure everyone just turned against her. Yeah, pretty much. But then the video cut out. But she, I'm pretty sure she got arrested for like trying to run people over. Oh, I wonder if we know her or like someone who knows her. By the way, for me, it makes the story even better that the video came from Evan. Yeah. So shout out to Edub. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, so when I, when I had like partner calls that day, I told every single one of them about that story. Oh, it was so great. Yeah. And the video, in the video, the lady gets out of her car and just immediately starts like running at people. <laughs> what like, the key was like, she what are you going to do? Oh, what an idiot. It was so funny. And I was like, I wonder if she was like hammered drunk or something like that. Cause like, why would you get like that mad? I'd be like, okay, ha ha ha. You threw a snowball in my car. I'm sure it was kind of shocking cause it could be really loud, even though it's not going to do any damage. Yeah, it could true. do some damage, could. but it probably, it could have been shocking how yeah. loud it was. Yeah. Um, it was pretty heavy snow. So it probably was like a heavy snowball and sounded loud. I did have a couple of times just around here where clumps like fell from trees Dude, and that was super loud. I should show you the pictures of my, that happened to my parents' house. It was nuts. Like a couple of like, big branches came down and uh, um, totally messed with stuff. Just like scroll to the left. Like hit, hit their chimney. And it's just literally just from the weight of the snow on the branches that caused yeah. them to like fall down. Whoa. Lucky they didn't hit any windows. These are also good pictures. Yeah, my mom just got a new phone. She had like a Galaxy. The new iPhone? She had like a Galaxy 5 for like the longest time. What are they on? Like 8 or 9 now? 9 or 10 now. So Mm. she'd been due for a while. But she used to be that mom who's like, it was like the most embarrassing like mom moment ever. She like takes her iPad out. And it's like, everyone, let's take a picture together with like the iPad. I'm like, mom, you're killing me. I feel me. like she just did that at she your engagement party. She did that at the party. engagement party. Yeah. And none of the pictures turned out that well. And I was like, mom, you have a nice phone. Like, take it with that. Also I mean, pay Waylon to take pictures in yeah, there or something. He's, he's going to actually be enjoying himself. But, uh, Is he going to do the wedding though? No. He did our engagement photos. He should, he should enjoy the wedding. Yeah. He's a groomsman, so. He did our engagement photos because the lady who was going to do our engagement photos is like, she wasn't going to be able to do them until like November. And we're like, we don't want to do engagement photos when it's like cold and wintery out. Oh, last November. Yeah. 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 So with our actual wedding photographer, we still need to take our legit ones, but. Interesting. So it's actually kind of funny. So, but I was thinking about it when, because I know we do want to talk about like. Uh, workout philosophies and fitness stuff and I was thinking about how that guy who was just slipping if he had been doing some some day, some deadlifts and some world's strongest man workouts maybe he'd been able to move the car by himself <laughs> dude yeah you might be right but also I think there was like I think my wheels were in like 8 to 10 inches of like solidified snow yeah well have you seen since um the mountain came and uh, spent some time in, like the readout booth back when i was at readout mm-hmm. and i got like a picture with him to so, like show people sometimes i follow him i followed him on instagram ever since and he's 
won or placed second in a bunch of like world strongest man competitions and other things. And he actually used to play like pro basketball in Iceland. And dude, that dude is savage. He is yeah. so strong. It is insane. He's won a bunch of world strongest. I want to say stuff. seven, but he yeah. won. Yeah, it might be. I can't remember all of them, but I just remember seeing it's like insane. And the, what was crazy to me is like he's that big. He's like four, roughly like four hundred something pounds, six foot nine, but like totally proportional and just massive. It yeah. wasn't like you look at an NBA player and you're like, holy shit! Like how like like because typically like the NBA profile is like they have like short like smaller shoulders, longer arms and longer legs and like smaller torsos. And then like gym, gymnastics, they typically have like really short legs and like really, I think really big and powerful like arms and torsos um, because they do so much stuff with their arms, like ring, ring people. And so it's like interesting all like the different people. people who do like the rings and stuff. It's interesting like how specific body types create, allow you to be, to excel in this given sport or not. Yeah, for but sure. But that was what was so interesting when we like met him and shook his hand and all that kind of stuff and spent a little bit of time with him was how just, he was just a massive person, but like everything was proportional, it seemed like. Yeah. And then just massively strong. <laughs> I feel like a lot of those world's strongest men are like that because they actually have to be strong. Yeah. You know, you and can't there's a lot like of a... injury prevention techniques involved with that. Yeah, that's a good point. You... Those guys can't have like no legs. Yeah, you can't be weak in any <clears throat> to do what they're doing. You can't be really weak in any area. So every area, every part of your body has to be able to carry and maintain and hold a lot of weight. You can't be fickle and do the fickle fingers. What's that? I think it's where they're like lifting up a, a huge pole. It's not like a telephone pole, but it's like a long. Pull. I think it's anchored on one side. So they start at the very end of this pole. Like maybe it's 20 feet long and weighs a shit ton. And they pick, lift it up and they work their way down it to tip it over. Mm. So think about like if, if a small tree was had fallen, just to visualize, yeah. you're stop starting at the tip of it, picking it up and then lifting it as high as you can and then pushing slowly pushing yeah. to tip it over. That's I think they of- call that challenge the fickle fingers. That's kind of what I always liked I about watching the World's Strongest Man competitions when I was younger. Because I used to watch them when you just have Winter Born or like Saturday high school. afternoon yeah. ESPN. Exactly. It's, or if you maybe stayed home sick, yeah. it'd be on during the weekdays. And it's like a secret world. You're like, yeah. who watches this? Yeah, exactly. Three hours how's later. How is this on ESPN? But I always, it, was, it was always super interesting how they all the things were almost like real world things that you might do like picking up a totally. heavy fucking rock and like lifting it and putting on something throwing the barrel over the thing yeah you know maybe people like loading trucks or like working in some yeah. system yeah i always thought that kind of stuff was interesting those guys are insane i remember i had a couple questions prepared for that guy from uh from iceland his name's thor thorbjorn yeah I want to say like Sorensen or something like that. Something along those lines. Was it something Johnson? But yeah, he had, leading up to that, I think he had done like a little sparring session with Conor McGregor. Conor was growing, like just kind of blowing, not just blowing up, but definitely blowing up at that time. So I asked him something about Conor McGregor. And then I also asked him about uh, Reykja Vodka, the popular vodka from from Iceland. And I felt pretty corny, but he appreciated that. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. 
You're super yeah, I nice. drink that vodka all the time. That is not a good yeah. Icelandic accent. Like, that's his accent. <laughs> You're so big, though, dude. Wasn't he just like p- picking people up and like pressing them at yeah. our booth? Do you remember him picking me up? And it was like. I wasn't there, but I remember seeing those pictures. It was insane. Shout out. I, I remember I shook his hand and it was just like. He I didn't even you. have a hand. Yeah. I always wonder... But he didn't have, like, the dick, like, the asshole, like... Um, <laughs> Finish the uh, sentence. Um, P- uh, what's his name? Oh, my God. Adrian Peterson hand grip. If he's, there's, like, legends of Adrian Peterson, like, breaking people's hands yeah. when he, like, shakes our hands because he squeezes so tight. And it's like... That's a power move. It's like, dude... Also a dick move. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have him on the podcast, Thorburn, so we can talk about... I bet he could tell us for hours like the difficulty of just being his size he's got to buy a specific car i'm sure all of his clothing is custom tailored dude he's got some cost a shit ton of money stuff yeah well that's so expensive yeah you know what's funny this was on some podcast somewhere about other people that are like that huge if they're not a professional athlete or something life's hard because all that shit's expensive yeah like that guy can go get stuff tailored i'm sure you know uh, what would you call it? Arteliers would love to yeah. make him a suit, but like if you're just some Joe Smo who's like six nine and you work at fucking Microsoft, like as a partner manager, like you're oh, all dude. Well, I'm just kidding. I'm just imagine kidding. if you had I'm to get kidding. everything tailored. Yeah. You had to get. Uh, I've heard about a uh, custom seats in a car that go back far tall enough so that you can only. tall tees, socks, nothing works. Champs, circa two thousand four only. Oh my god. Fitted hats and tall tees. Yeah. Did you ever own a pair of lugs? No. Neither did I. They Shout out to like, my mom. There are a couple. Pr- they seem like just Tim- Timberland, like knockoffs. They kind of were. But we also aren't in a town where like Timberlands mm-hmm. were like functional. Yeah. Those are for like people who like. In New York, you need Tims to yeah. stay warm and yeah. to like sludge through snow and. Yeah participate in late night activities that need you to be out in the cold like that's not that popular around here yeah. they'd come in handy right now though yeah that's for damn sure i think kurt kurt got a pair of tims of course he did Fucking of course before i forget shout out to bjorn he wanted a shout out and i gave him a shout out last week we ended up not using, uh, the audio. using it but shout out to bjorn siri rigid and Bodie, the family Bjorn's a cool dad. Hashtag. Hashtag cool dad. Yeah. I just love that his name is Bjorn, so that when he would use a baby Bjorn, it's just so great. And his last name's Johnson. Yeah. It's like the perfect Dutch Bjorn Johnson. Bjorn Star. Um, Bjornacopia. Um, Bjorner. He had an alias. All those aliases at Redapt, I think Kenan made. You could email Bjornstar at Redapt. <laughs> I really <laughs> accidentally I got on some like customer and partner emails. Bjornstar. Bjorn. They probably just thought it was a real person, a real name. Because if you don't know, you don't know. And you're just like, what? <clears throat> I guess that's it, a pretty common name, but on several different occasions, people would come in like partners and they'd go, they would have like, maybe coordinated a meeting with him and they would go, who is Bjorn? And you'd be like, you've never seen the name Bjorn before, but it's not that common. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met another Bjorn in person. Yeah. Maybe besides the mountain, if that's his name. I do think you're right. It's Thor Bjorn or something, which is is a dope name. Such a great name. God, I wonder what he's going to name his child. Yeah. Thor Bjorn. 
Can't name him Chris. Yeah, you're he's destined for greatness. Shout out to the Chris's, but I think you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Should we get to our topic? Sure. <clears throat> Fitness philosophy. We could go a lot of different ways with this, but I think you had you were coming from like the mindset perspective. Whereas I was coming from the performance perspective. So like I guess what are your specific philosophies when it comes to could be working out it could be specific fitness however you want to define it are there like yeah when you think of staying active and working out what what comes to mind for you yeah i mean i don't really have a definition so we can just riff on it and we'll come it'll come together but i've definitely over the last couple years i've always as i'm like evaluating something new to do I want to stick with things that are like sustainable. Like I've never wanted to adopt some program that I'm going to like charge for like three months and like maybe it's going to suck. I've wanted to like adopt things that seem to to be in line with my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So um, a big part of that is definitely like transformation of my body. I've been wanting to, you know, physically change it. So a lot of what I'm working on kind of maps to that. Um, definitely preparation for the, the activities I want to do outside of, you know, I guess you'd say exercising or being in the gym. So I'm, I'm always thinking about, even though I haven't played as much beach volleyball in the last year or year and a half, I'm always thinking about that. Like How to get in everything, explosiveness, flexibility, power, endurance, like those, those all map into it. Soccer from time to time. Endurance in general, because you want to have endurance for just general life. You know, there are things that everybody should be doing on a daily basis that require endurance. Yeah. Um, I think general vitality. I've always wanted to be like young and fit, like playing with my kids. So I, I'm like thinking mostly long term about most of the stuff. Um, so are you thinking but then consistency also? Like I want to have things that I like doing so that I do them consistently. Yeah, so this is one of the things that I'd say is such a hard balance for me is because I use athletics that I do, whether that be basketball or football or whatever sport I'm doing, as kind of motivators for the activities and workouts that I'm doing at the time. So when I'm playing a sport such as basketball, I'll do more cardio. I won't go quite as heavy with the legs. Um from a weightlifting perspective because I want to be able to have my legs last like a long time. So I'd rather, I'm, I'd rather have more endurance versus explosiveness. Whereas if I'm playing football or a very explosive type of a sport, I'd rather have less cardio and more of that explosive type mm. ability. But I, it is hard because you said consistency and those, those programs. And that's something that I is really hard to do. Like just, keep within doing the same thing and continue to make gains and continue to always get better in whatever you're doing. You have to do a lot of things. You have to be very consistent, but balancing that with also like mobility and being able to be active when you're older is kind of, uh, uh, I sometimes struggle with it too. How much time should I spend on mobility, making sure my hips, making sure my shoulders making sure all that stuff has good strength in the, in the small muscles that allow for the joints um, and tendons and all that kind of stuff to be really strong and to be able to withstand impact. 
versus just a really heavy um, and like the bodybuilding type of exercises. You'd appreciate the way that Ben Greenfield summarized his kind of mission the other day when he was on Joe Rogan. I think I, I heard it and it was like exactly how, no, actually this is, uh, anyway, sorry, continue to me. He said he's in the constant pursuit of the perfect marriage between longevity and performance. So never too much of one or the other. He's, he's a freak athlete today, yeah, but he wants to live long. And he mentioned, you know, you like, there's no sense in being some super athlete for 20 years and dying when you're 50, you know, or like having all your joints falling apart when you're 40 or 50. You think about like a football player or so many athletes that by the time they retire, they can, some of them can barely work. Anyway, let's not dive into those semantics. I do think that point is super like resonant to both of us. Yeah. Like we are constantly open to the idea of like, does something. If something applies to longevity and performance, like I'm going to be super interested. I'd say that's a huge thing that I'm actually becoming more and more. Just I think as I, I'm getting older, I'm focusing more on mobility, focusing more on what I can, what I can be consistent in, and what's going to, what I'm still going to be able to, do, what are the things I'm still going to be able to do when I'm when I'm older. I think that's a really good point. Um, but at the same time, we all have like short-term goals or short-term activities that we're working towards. It's like if you're going to go run a marathon and that's a goal that you have, you're going to train specifically for that marathon. So yeah. I think taking a step back, it all depends on like what your specific goals are. So if you're like a high-level basketball player or sport-specific athlete, you're trying to you're most likely trying to be the best in the world if that's your goal is to be the best in the world in that app, in that specific domain, make as much money, whatever leave a legacy like you're going to focus specifically on that because that's your current goal at the time whereas us it's like okay i might not be able to do that but i would like to be able to do the things that i'm doing and be as active for as long as i possibly can be um while maintaining the most performance and it'd be really inter- interesting to see a graph of like where that kind of performance hit is versus longevity hit like mm-hmm. where's that apex where, where the two lines inter- intersect you remember that guy for us tarabi right who was on uh joe rogan he's a pretty yeah legendary trainer yeah he, he speaks was to that a lot he's like don't you should never be going all out because the guy that can yeah. do five pull-ups every day at the end of three months is going to have way more progress than the guy who does 10 pull-ups Every or so, you know every three or four days. He talks about analogy. He talks about the the supple leopard, which is a book I've been trying to get. I should just buy it. And it's a book about mobility and strength and all that kind of stuff by Kelly Starlet, I believe. And Kelly Starlet is like, if not the main thought leader um, in mobility and making sure you have like a overall happy body. Um, that he wrote that book and which that guy said influenced him a ton. What's it called? Uh, The supple leopard. Okay. And he has his own, it's called, um, I want to say it's, it's not workout of the day. It's like mobility. Gosh. Anyways, he has this website where you do like in an app where you do a specific mobility exercise one time a day. And that's, for loosening up joints, <clears throat> shoulders, make, making sure that you your body is as most mobile and injury um, 
preventative as possible mm. while still being able to main, have some strength around it. Mm. Um, I've been really wanting to read that book. It's on my high on my list of to read specifically on that because I've experienced some injuries over the yeah. last like five to six years that have definitely impeded my progress where I would get up to a good, good amount of whatever I was working on, whether it was like heavy lifts or cardio or something like that. And I would have a hamstring pull or I would have, I, I tore both labrums in, I tore labrum in both my shoulders or I recently have had a ton of lower back pain um, where the muscle just like really tightened up and I wasn't able to do like any, um, I kind of just resisted doing any sort of weightlifting work. So I could pretty much just went like cold turkey to like light, very light work because I didn't want to aggravate that. And I want to get that injury um, healed as soon as possible. And so having those types of injuries is always a step, two steps backwards mm-hmm. with no steps forward because you're just trying to get your body to be rested and healthy enough to start doing exercise again at the intensity that I want to do. So I will really want to read his book because I think it will, he has a very holistic approach to making sure that your body's in optimal working condition. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of funny. I've always, I've always been super in a way, there's a little bit of fear about like overlifting, you know, and I've always been super careful to at least try and never hurt myself. Like while I'm lifting, Yeah, it seems like it would be the most tragic thing it's, to just be like, not only am I hurt, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. My, lose progress. my retort to that is I've only ever hurt myself lifting weights that I can remember is one time. And that was because I have really bad shoulders from the torn labrums, which I haven't got surgery on. And I was military pressing, I think, and I weigh like 170. I was military pressing, which is, this isn't impressive, but like 135. And like my sh- my left shoulder just like gave out. Mm. and that's the only time I've ever hurt myself lifting. I've never hurt myself lifting doing any other work. So. Well, you're pretty mindful. I mean, part of part of my approach, I mean, probably this phase that I'm in definitely started when we started working out, so it's definitely something we always talked about where you would specifically say if, if something's painful, like yeah. don't be stubborn and don't listen to your ego and try and push through it. Listen to your body is right. like the most important thing I think, which is, so it makes sense. You've never been really hurt outside yeah. of that situation. So like my, my lower back had been hurt and, and it's finally going, it's finally pretty much gone. Now I just listened to it. I was like, I didn't do activities. I would, I would play basketball leagues because like I'm going to play through pain for like my teammates. Cause that's just what I'm going to do. Shout out to the gang. Um, Mamba mentality. Um, <laughs> so I'm always going to do that unless I'm like, unless I'm so injured to the point where I'm like, this could be detrimental to my long-term health. But if I can play through it, I'll do that. But after every single one of those games, I remember those basketball games, my back would be so tight for the next like three days. And it was awful. But so if I didn't have those scheduled games, I would have listened to my body and like not just taking it really easy. And I think I probably would have gotten my lower back would have healed up a lot faster, but I guess it kind of just depends. That's just who I am. I'm going to play through that type of a pain to, um, especially if I'm part of a team. How much does fitness and stress relief go together for you? If at all, it really depends on, 
the mood I'm in. I'm a pretty low stress individual. So I wouldn't say it's, it's probably there. You think it's mood enhancing then? Mood enhancing. Yeah. I don't, I don't do it to solve a negative. I do it to increase a positive. Mm. Perspective. There are times where I'm like, I'm the same picture. There are times where I'm, you have a bad day, something happens. And you just need to burn off steam, and that's the best thing for me to do. Yeah. Especially if I play a sport. If I'm pissed off and I go play, like, basketball, like, that is the ultimate sport for me to go and play when I'm pissed off. Because you can put so much effort into the defense, into the Those offense. defensive slides just and, get yeah, low. Yeah. <laughs> Slapping the floor. <laughs> Senior leadership. If, if you played NCAA 2006 back in the day uh, before they shut it down, you could, if you were a senior on defense, you could like, there was like a button that you could press to like slap the floor if you're all at home and like the whole crowd would like get super pumped up and like Evan and like a bunch of my high school friends would always joke like senior, senior leadership because only seniors would do that. Would they say senior leadership in the game? <laughs> I don't know. But we, you guys we, make we, that we, up? We, I think we made that up. It was uh, always so funny. I'm going to say that the next time I'm around Evan for yeah, sure. He would, he would definitely get pumped. Um, but I would say it's a mood, mood enhancer. Um, I mean, how many times have we said there's no, nothing, a shitty workout's better than no workout. Yeah. We've said all that kind of stuff ad nauseum over and over and over again, but it just, it's never not true. There's definitely, I think more than like stress relief or like, uh, fixing a negative. There's definitely days where I feel off or specifically if I kind of fall out of routine or Mm -hmm. like something happens you like travel or kind of the snow is a little bit of pain in the ass like um i've definitely noticed a huge difference where i've like felt off where i'm like why don't i feel kind of like myself today and then i'll go and get a hard workout in and those days are interesting because those are days where specifically you may not want to go and then like i can think of a bunch of clear moments where like Halfway into a first set or beginning of a run, I'm like, oh my god, this feels this so good. This is the good. worst. No, it's the best. No, the, and the moment is the worst. You're like, I do not want to be doing this. Yeah. But five minutes later, you're like, I'm so glad I'm here. Yeah. And I think every single time you're able to push through those moments of even making the decision to go to the gym and even to like to start working out, like that's growth there for mm. for you, and you're like able to overcome, and that's what. I think that right there alone is a mood enhancer because you're like, uh, I did something that was difficult for me at the time Yeah, that I didn't want to do, but I did. And now I feel better. Well, and you know, it's a, it's an accomplishment. Like, even if it's not something that you've, you've had to overcome to do, it's like making your bed in the morning, like doing something that's, that you're supposed to be doing makes you feel good. Yeah. Those small accomplishments add up over time. Yeah. Interesting what you said about preparing for different sports. I definitely have done that in the last couple of years. Like in the winter, when I'm not playing as much volleyball, I've focused on building more muscle. Yeah. And then kind of wanting to not like slim down, but know that I'm going to be lifting a little bit less in the summer. Because if I'm going to go play volleyball on a day for six hours, I'm not going to. Legs and energy to lift. Yeah. Well, and I I don't don't want to, you know. And I know that that's how those guys train. You know, they they spend their off season just like any athlete. They spend their off season training specific things to enhance themselves for their 
quote season. Um, and then when the season comes, like they're not doing nearly as much of that stuff because so, you can go play volleyball for eight hours. So Kobe Bryant, I just finished his book, Mama Mentality. And he talks about that specifically. He's like, a lot of guys would train specifically, they lift weights and then come the season, they would lift like maybe once a week or maybe like less than that. He's like, I always made a point to keep lifting throughout the season. Even if my legs were dead throughout the season, yeah. I knew that come the playoffs, come the finals, I was going to be stronger than them. I was going to be in better shape than them. And I was going to be able, because I was doing that, that work, I knew I had an edge on them. That was a Michael Jordan thing too. I think he was one of the first guys to keep doing that lifting during yeah. and specifically on game days. I had, I had a, I have a three pack of these VHS tapes of Michael Jordan. <laughs> they're really, they're really awesome. I really want to watch them. I want to, I was just thinking like, they'd be cool to like be just like sitting in there. Yeah. But um, in one of them, they talk, they talk quite a bit about how he was one of the first guys to, to lift, to have a consistent lifting regimen throughout a season and specifically on game days. You know what that makes me really interested to know is how many of those athletes were amazing athletes, had amazing mental side, but they were, um, had that, they had, they experienced so much success because they were the first to do that type of fitness regime and nutrition regime. It seemed to be the same with Tiger Woods. And I think with those people, those people having that amount of success and dedicating being the first people in, in their sports, maybe focused so much on nutrition and um, fitness is it gave them a, the mental edge knowing that their opponents weren't doing those types of things. So when it came to the times where it was crunch time or whatever, it gave them an extra level of confidence mm-hmm. that other players didn't have. Right. I, I have no idea if that's a thing, but gotta be it's i i do you do seem to notice when the the best players in the world that really have elevated above anyone else they seem to just have done done things differently mm-hmm. well, i think and especially specifically around taking care of their body and yeah. doing the extra things that other people wouldn't yeah i mean all those guys are known for that tom brady's known for that tiger is lebron is specifically like nutrition rest like yeah. very strict nutrition yeah we heard lebron on that Tim Ferriss yeah. podcast. And everyone knows Tom Brady. Tom Brady's crazy. And he's all about longevity. That's a huge part of it. Yeah. He wants to try and play till he's like 50, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes perfect sense. But um, I would imagine that it has something to do with their upbringings too. Like, because all, every one of those guys you just mentioned was obviously on the road to success at a very young age. But were so, they like Michael Jordan got cut well, in like a, ninth grade or like tenth grade? A or really good basketball player. Well, yeah, I'm. Just, think about our lives. Like when I was coming up, I was very encouraged by my mom to have devotion to anything that I was doing. Yeah, and I wasn't a special like some special athlete in any sport. Yeah, I think any parent does that. So when you have any sort of advantage, where it's like, hey. You've got a bunch of people around you that believe like, hey, you've got a little something special. Yeah. If you outwork everyone, yeah. you maximize that potential, especially if you're only playing one sport. It's interesting. My parents I'm never. Sure got to be. My parents like there. never encouraged me to do any of that. Really. It was like just do what you want to do. Were they very? Were, they were athletes, weren't they? Didn't your mom 
My mom happen? plays like tennis and golf. They didn't. I don't think. I don't even know if they did anything in high school. Mm. I should ask them. My mom definitely came from like a sporting family, yeah, and she and she's from the Midwest, so there's just kind of this blue collar work ethic thing to where yeah. it's like, and I I probably never worked as hard as she would have, you know, envisioned. Um, I definitely had one season in high school basketball where I worked on a bunch of specific things in the off season, and I was it was my best season for sure. Yeah, shooting, jumping, I like trained a bunch of like plyo stuff, um, but. Anyway, I would imagine with those guys, you get, especially some of these high dollar value athletes where you get some of these agents that are creeping in and they start floating like regimens for these guys. Like if you start doing this when you're 17, by the time you're 23, like you could have a huge edge. It's obviously hundreds of millions of dollars on the line. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but we're not like those people, nor are probably any of our listeners. No. That, that is interesting yeah we might get like spencer listening who's who's gonna go back he's gonna go and try and play in the senior pga tour when he turns 50 is he? He did is. you hear that uh shikatoshi hashigawa the old mariners pitcher he like picked up golf at age like 40 and at age 50 you can apply for the senior tour mm-hmm. and he's like re- really close to making it and he just picked up golf at age 40 that's sick which is like insane i'm not he's surprised like, by that though. he's literally like my goal is to make the senior pga tour how beautiful. It's yeah. a twilight career for him too. Yeah. Probably one of many, but he's got like a lifetime of training and strength. Yeah. That rotation as a pitcher, I'm sure, applies very well. And the focus, obviously. And the mental aspect for sure. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down so I like follow him. Yeah. It'd be funny to see he and Spencer out there. Yeah. These guys are good. You said Hashigawa? Yeah. Shiggy. All right, what else? I have a couple other things about uh, fitness philosophy. Yeah, go for it. Um, I, I've i definitely... In in trying to, like, get, get better at everything and make the most out of, like, the time that I spend going to the gym, thinking about, like, this arbitrage of time, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm going to, like... Every day I'm, like, putting the clothes in my bag and I'm going to, like prepare certain meals to like get me ready. I've actually really enjoyed um, like altering my, most of my social media is like information about the things that I'm actually interested in. Mm -hmm. There's very little like bullshit in any of my, you know, like very little celebrity stuff. There's a little, but most of it is like nutritionists, guys who exercise, guys who play the sports I'm interested in. I deleted all all of those like funny accounts. I think I still yeah. have like fuck Jerry. I have a couple, but like a cut, like a few. But I deleted probably like twenty to thirty accounts that were just like just pure entertainment. Yeah. Because I was like, I'm just going down a wormhole and it's not adding any value besides like a chuckle. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, Which people is great, do that. I think like, people want to escape, but I've definitely I use I use other things for that. I use there's too much value out there. I think for me to like open these applications and like just see fucking jokes all day. They all post the same shit anyway. Like all those meme accounts. I need to know just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. Right? There you go. Um, but with that, I've learned like it's been helpful because I've been able to pick up. It's like this compounding effect of efficiency. Mm-hmm. My workouts are so much more efficient now than they were two years ago because I've just learned so much stuff like gone from workouts uh, like 
I mean, when we started working out, like I didn't squat, I didn't deadlift, I didn't bench press, I didn't do most of the major compounds. Now it's like 80, 20, I'm mostly compounds with like maybe 20% isolation exercises, you know? So for like injury prevention, actual performance, explosiveness, transforming the body, like building muscle so that you can burn fat, um, just changing the way that your body looks just so, you know, I like the way I look in clothes better than I did a couple of years ago. A lot of that, like I kind of know that, but that you're supposed to do more compounds and less stuff. But I actually, I don't think it's as common in the grand scheme out there. So being exposed to stuff like that more has helped me get better at everything. Like I'm squatting better, like, more consistently, more yeah. weight, safer form. Um, anyway, um, ma- mapping back to that, I've I've definitely put a big focus into like the preparation. Like, what am I eating leading up to it? You know, like I don't want to be. This might sound obvious, but like if you want to be, if you have a goal, like you have to have a some sort of habit that like you actually enjoy enough to make it consistent. Because I think most. Uh, are you talking about the actual all of it workouts that you're I think doing? Like I've that? paid attention to all of it. Like this, this might sound silly, but like I like all the clothing and all the footwear that I want to go work out in. Mm-hmm. Like it's comfortable. It's mm-hmm. I like the way I look, like the way it feels. Not a lot of decision making. I have all shirts and shorts that can all go together, and footwear that I use for cardio stuff and footwear that I use for lifting. Like fine tune that so it's efficient, so yeah. you can just go. Um, I don't do pre-workouts anymore, but I definitely do like a little bit of caffeine, you know, either green tea or coffee, uh, water and a light, like a light meal. I don't want to have like a heavy, heavier meal. And it like builds momentum so that when you're in there, you're like, before you even touch a weight, you're like, I'm ready for this. Yeah. You've prepped yourself. And I'm almost like running in from the car because I'm just like, I can't wait to go do this. Yeah. So I've like tried to, you know, I don't know if that's crazy or if that's like placebo, but it definitely... You're starting the chain. Momentum. You're starting the chain of momentum to get to maximize your time. Yeah. To- I get home, I throw my gym clothes in the hamper, grab my clothes for the next day, they're in the bag. To me, like the momentum is all of these little steps. Yeah. Down to like the smoothie or whatever you're eating that kind of propels you to do to do something or other. Um, but I kind of thought that was interesting to touch on because um, I don't know, it's like helped me a lot. I think it's helped me a lot to put more focus on the little nuances that lead to like big progression. Yeah. Like if you're just, if you don't have the habits, like someone's like, you want to go to the gym? Like if you're going to, if you have to ask yourself like, well, what am I going to wear? It makes it a little bit. It's a barrier. Yeah. It's, it's a roadblock. It's one more. And the momentum. Right. Yeah. And so I thought, I mean, it feels kind of silly to like write that down, but, um, I think it it makes sense and it helps me. Like every single day, I love it. I love going there. I love putting on that clothing and I love, I have playlists, you know, tried out a couple different headphones, you know, but like, I think without, without creating a bunch of paralysis by analysis, paying a little bit of attention to some of the smaller things that maybe don't seem that important actually have a huge difference. Yeah. It's the easiest step in the whole process right? is just what do I want to – because the eating and the drinking, that kind of stuff's fun. 
like it doesn't take effort to like eat a quick snack like that's what i want to do actually like i love eating so having a quick a quick bite before um could definitely start that i usually don't eat before i go to the gym but that's because i go straight from work and i just don't prepare anything yeah but usually but i've eaten usually usually a sizable lunch yeah that's more so what i'm talking about like specific like depending on the type of workout i'm gonna do like i try and prep a lunch or plan the lunch the day before yeah you know whether it be because i'm usually breaking a fast eating something and then going to the gym so it's actually pretty important like if i eat too much or too little it's going to affect the workout in a pretty major way yeah yeah but what that also means is that if i do it right it's going to affect it in a really good way possibly yeah yeah. Um, because no, I, I love the the phrase or kind of the theme of like no workout regimen can out work a bad diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so like when you do it right, like you're helping yourself so much and when you do it wrong, it's like you know I I would never say you might as well not even go to the gym, but it's like you just can't you can't make improvements without a diet that like aligns to the goal as well. I think it depends it's on what your goal really is. Really hard. Depends on what your goal is. Your name goal a goal is. where you can just eat like shit and drink all the time, not be mindful about all that stuff, and still succeed. Yeah. For again, for the everyday athlete, if you're fucking Malcolm Phelps yeah. and you're burning twelve thousand calories a day, sure, dude, eat Funyuns every day, do whatever you want. But like, folks, kind of like our peers, like actually have to balance it in a way that works. Yeah. What specific workouts are you doing right now? Um. So. Like from a high quick level. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I actually just shifted from like probably a, a quite some time, like maybe a year of like a pretty heavy focus on lifting um, heavy weights with really little to no cardio um, to adding cardio in, potentially running a marathon in June. So I've had to like shift a little bit to Damn, like. Why you told me this? Because I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about it really. I kind of just want to do it, you know, but for the sake, it is pretty interesting because I've had to go like, think about, all right, how do I go from this to running 26.2, whatever miles it is. Um, but I don't want to stop lifting. You know, I also like the yeah. muscles really important for volleyball as well and golf and most of the other things that I do. So I'm like David Goggins. Yeah. Well, the, that marathon's, I think, the first or second weekend in June. I told my buddy Eli I'd play in a volleyball tournament with him that's in, like, April. And so, for me, coming from, like, essentially, like, I was a high-performance athlete at one point playing soccer. I could go, like, run a lot. I probably could have never ran a marathon. But for me to think about, okay, I have to look up some stuff. And you start looking at, like, okay, it's really common to find, like, a three-month marathon yeah. regimen a yeah. four month those are pretty common three three and four um for those you need to be running like three to four days a week and you basically start at like i think you start at like i start with the assumption that you can run 30 minutes basically three miles which i i, I can do i've been able to do at any given time so you start at something like i want to say it's 12 miles a week yeah. and then you go to 14 then you go to 16 and so then I'm like, okay, how am I going to do that and also lift? Like, 
So, can I go squat? And so you yeah. you switch it up a little bit. You do you do less. You maintain muscle rather than build. So is most you, of the suggested strategies. Ryan Flaherty, the like head Nike trainer, yeah, would counter that in that you can still lift heavy, but not do the negatives. So you're he doesn't taking, train marathon runners though. Yeah, he does. Does he really? Yeah. I thought he, he trains guys that are more about explosion. Well, he's trained all athletes. Mm-hmm. He talks about that he improved the marathon. He improved through the hex bar deadlift. He had runners and even female runners hex bar deadlifting, which is like the hexagonal one that you lift up and it's very natural. And very natural lift. It's become my favorite. It's become my favorite heavy lift. Yeah, it sucks seen. though because how do you? How can you not? You have unless to, you're going to a gym like that. Yeah. That, that's how can the thing. you not train the negative? That's the thing is he's a high performance coach. So he's, yeah. that's what he's doing. So I'm just telling you, yeah. I'm just giving you the information. He, I'd be curious to know if you could do that in a gym though. There might be interesting, like really creative ways to yeah. use standard machinery to do that. Cause I think about that all the time. Cause I know that we've talked about this and I remember that his whole he, thing about. He improved like a marathon runners who are super skinny, but he improved by having more strength you create more ground force. And when you create more ground force, your stride lengthens, hmm. which means you're naturally going to be faster. And so I think he increased a marathon runner's stride length by like two inches or like three inches, which seems really small, but over the course of a marathon, it improves our time by like sure. five minutes. And these are like, these are like the highest athletes. So these are, these athletes are looking for like the most, for any advantage they can possibly get. They've already kind of maximized their endurance so so if they're able to get a, if they're able to improve their time by like two to five minutes just by doing strength workout incorporating strength workouts into their lifts um and still being able to run marathons and doing long distance that was a huge value add for them yeah an improvement whereas someone like us the average joe if you did all of that kind of stuff together your your benefits would probably skyrocket yeah. They'd probably jump off the page. I'm still going to look that up because I'm sure there's some good ways to do it in the gym. Yeah. At least some of it. Obviously not all of it. But I, I specifically remember the hex bar. I still have never found a hex bar. I think the LA Fitness in Ballard or Fremont area maybe has one. The one in Ballard has it for sure. Yeah. But um, I don't see those many places. But I, But again, that's just one idea. I'm sure there's creative ways to do it. Because I'm yeah. sure we're not the first people to sit here and go, okay, I can't go and yeah. spend hours with Ryan Flaherty. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I have had to alter it a little bit so that I can run. I think I'm, I'm on a schedule right now that's uh, run Monday, rest Tuesday, run Wednesday, Thursday, rest Friday, long run Saturday, rest Sunday. Do you run around outside? Not yet. I mean, I just started a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And so to start, I was doing like my first week, I think was like four three-mile runs. Treadmill? Yeah. Which kind of treadmill? The normal one, not like the self-propelled one. Dude, those are the only ones I use now. They are fucking hard. Yeah. They're so We we have two at LA Fitness, so I'm going to try them. They're good. But um, They're so difficult. Yeah. But it was interesting I'm like, oh, first week, like that won't be a big deal. But like running three miles is one thing. Running three miles, then like lifting, then in like you're lifting and you're going like, how am I going to not lift too much? 
to like harm my runs, you know? Yeah. So you're, ha- you're having to you don't you want know, dead legs. change it up, right? But then like at the end of that first week, I was dead. And then I then I also had to map it back and go, now I'm not eating enough. Because I was eating for my lifting regimen. And then now I'm like eating for a little bit less lifting, but so much more running. And your body kind of just wants, I think, wants some different nutrients. Yeah. So after that first week, I did the first week. I was pretty, I was tired, but I definitely think I was like a couple of days where I was exhausted. After like that three-day stretch where I ran nine miles, mm-hmm. when I hadn't ran nine miles in a three-day stretch in probably 10 years, <laughs> my body's literally going, what the hell, dude? Yeah. And then you're like fasting. Like I most, I don't think any sort of runner like that would subscribe to fasting at all. There are the there are the benefits from fasting and taking at least I think for a marathon, which is what I would do is I would try and cut back on any um, inflammatory foods because at least for me when I've done really long hikes, like 15, 18 mile hikes, my knees start to flare up. Yeah, and I think that's from like inflam inflammation, and so yeah. I would try and have a diet that is as minimally in inflammatory as possible. Obviously you do need some carbs and energy to, to run, especially really long distances, but, um, but even that you can consume low inflammation carbohydrates. Really the only thing that I consume on a regular basis that's inflammatory is alcohol. Yeah. And like a meal, maybe tied to a day where I'm drinking more than usual. Cheap cheap meals and things like that. There, I think a, a very important thing to do when you're going for runs, and this is totally mentally, this is totally mental, and it's if you set yourself a limit like, hey, I'm going to run for five miles, your mind is only prepared to run for five miles. If you set, hey, I'm going to go run, I'm going to go do a, tw- a half marathon, your mind is prepared to run for 13 miles. So when you get to that 13th mile, you're dead. Whereas if you said, I'm going to go run 26 miles today, even if you're in the exact same shape that you're going to go run a half marathon that day, when you get to 13 and a half miles, your, your mind is going to be like, okay, I still have a whole nother half to go. Yeah. So I think being aware of the mental state and limitations that you put your mind in from that perspective, um, I think can be really, really helpful and almost be a hack to, um, going farther and uh, running faster and, and ha- removing that mental block if possible. Yeah. I've done a lot of reading and one of the things I find everywhere is like appreciating the process, trust the process, shout out to Joel Embiid, but like not letting your ego get in the way so that you do too much to where you burn out. Like in all these regimens in the last couple of weeks, like you taper off to prepare for the actual marathon. But even in these first few weeks, I've gotten started, and I kind of hate that we're talking about this so much because this isn't a huge focus. But um, um, first week, I've noticed incredible progress in just three weeks, going from four three-mile runs in one week to now like up to a couple threes plus a four, a couple threes plus a five. Yeah. Each you feel the progress like so quickly. So I totally, I totally get that mindset idea 
And in almost every run, I do a little bit more than I was planning just because you, you're so pumped up to make it. Yeah. Like when I first did four and then I first did five, I was kind of dreading it. But then in that like last mile, you're like, oh, I've already done four miles. I can yeah. do one more. And then it hits five on the screen and you're like, you kind of just keep jogging a little bit and you end up doing like five and a quarter or whatever. But um, I'm, I'm not, I'm definitely being careful to like, keep my ego in check from a Um, philosophy standpoint i think it's really important to for all individuals to add some sort of strength into their fitness because i wish i had the science in front of me but there's science to back this up and it is that you you make gains in cardio much faster than you make gains in lifting weights and strength Mm. but you also lose those gains in cardio significantly faster than you lose those gains in strength i think it's like i've always heard that as it relates to soccer like if you i think you lose like 50 percent of your cardio if you don't do any cardio for two weeks yes it's like that it's like an insane number yeah and then if you don't do any weightlifting for like three months you lose like three months you lose like 30 or like 40 percent of your strength Mm. it could be some other number but it's it's significantly less over a long period of time versus versus cardio so i think it's important to always have that balance of, of, of doing both i think and especially as you get into older age it's really important to maintain that strength so that your bones and all that kind of stuff stay strong yeah that's a good point that's funny i always heard that in college like guys talking about getting ready for the season it's why when you start a game of basketball or you're starting a season in soccer, um, volleyball, those first couple of games are like so hard. But then after a couple of games into the season and you're at least doing something cardio, at least doing one cardio thing like every week, four or five games in, you're like, okay, like I can go a whole game. This is fine. It's how impressive the body is. It's yeah. like you put it through it and your body's like, okay, prepare prepare to do this again because that sucked. Yeah. Um, how are we looking on time? no idea i've got like two i feel like we're getting to like an hour yeah we're probably about an hour um i have two more kind of small things they're not super significant but what do you got there just let's go um as far as things that have been super helpful for me and that i'll always stick to um the nuance between like strict planning and this pertains more to like weightlifting um I enjoy the nuance between a strict plan and then days where I go in the gym and I'm like, I'm just going to do whatever I want today. Yeah. I think for me, that's been just fun because there's, there's certain lifts. Like I've fallen in love with pull-ups and push-ups, and actually I've fallen in love with the Olympic lifts, you know, all the, all of those big compounds. And there's certain days where I'm like, what am I going to do? Or like, Maybe I got thrown off track and like, what should I do based on the regimen I'm trying to follow? Yeah. And then I just say, fuck it. I'm just going to walk around the gym and do whatever I want. Like, and that's super fun. Mm-hmm. Maybe you shouldn't do that, but it works. It works for me. And there's probably a couple times a month where I literally walk into the gym and I know I'm going to lift, but I don't have a plan. And I just go and do the things that I really enjoy. And, um, you know, I think Arnold would always talk about this, like, some people really excel one day just doing one thing the entire time, starting at like a heavy weight and then like yeah. working your way down. Um, 
but generally I think it's as far as like consistency and reaching a goal and thinking about things in the in a way that are enjoyable and kind of attractive and make it a fun activity I think it's acceptable to go fuck it I'm not going to look at my little notebook or my notes and my yeah. phone today I'm just going to go there make sure I get a hard workout in and just have a good time and if all I want to do is curls and pull-ups and push-ups like just do that I think that's you know, a good point remove the barrier I think that's an important point because I think if you're not making it fun for yourself and enjoyable for, enjoyable for yourself you're not it's not going to last Right. If you're hating doing what you're doing every single time, you're most likely not going to enjoy it. You're just, you're, it's most likely a habit you're not going to be able to keep yeah. or a behavior you're not going to be able to keep. So honestly, in the end, do it for yourself. doesn't really matter. Just make sure that you're doing something and make sure that you're being able to enjoy it. Vary it if you need to be. Keep it light if you need to be whatever. Just, just yeah. like be active. Yeah. It's funny to say, keep it fun, but it makes perfect sense, right? Like why, That's why fitness classes are yeah. becoming are huge. Why have a regimen that you're going to do four, five, six days a week that's like not fun? Yeah. Like make it fun. Um, and then the other thing was, again, this is probably common knowledge to a lot of people, but um, definitely wasn't for me at one point, but the mind-muscle connection. That's huge. Like really. Visualizing. Yeah, and just really understanding in this exercise what muscle or muscles am I supposed to be using and actually thinking about using those, leveraging them. You know, on a certain on a certain pull-up, you're supposed to start with your biceps and then engage your back. You know, like thinking about those makes a huge difference. Yeah. Like, and you use the muscle more. You can go curl and not think about your bicep or the, what are there? I think there's three parts to the bicep and you touch them all like the long different head, the types. Head yeah. Kind of stuff. You can go and do them and not think about it. And then you can go and do a curl and actually think about the bicep helps to look in the mirror and like see it, like not to, you don't want to be a douchey bro, but to like, you're there working on something. So when you're thinking about the muscle, okay, engage this muscle. When I start to lift this weight, um, time under tension, like you want to stick to that, I think the magic number is like 45 seconds like per when you're specifically trying to build muscle versus like maintain. But um, for size. Yeah, I mean size is a price soul's a goal. Preach. <laughs> Shout out to the 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 Grand Star Robert Frank. But that's just it's made a it's made a big difference and I think it just goes back to the efficiency like you're spending the time there. So there's all these little details that can make the same curl, the same press, the same squat that much more beneficial and impactful. So you actually do see a gain. Yeah. So not only are you doing it right, you're rewarded more by being deliberate and mindful of it. So then you want to go back because you're like, hey, I'm doing it better than I used to be doing it. I'm getting the most out of it. And I feel like I learn stuff every week just like from the Internet and curiosity. Yeah. You know? Um, but that was, I, I feel like even around the time we were working out in the mornings, I wasn't, I mean, I knew what muscles I was using, but I like rep you weren't putting per your mind. rep. You I wasn't putting your yeah. mind in the muscle and it, that almost pushes you to a weird meditative state. Yeah. It's very mindful. Yeah. Cause you're, you're doing a curl and you're thinking about the fibers in that muscle yeah. And when you do that, it has a huge impact on the way that you lift the weight. 
You're not going to sway your body. You're not going to cheat as much. You're going to realize if you're lifting too much, if you're thinking what I'm supposed to use here is only my bicep or my tricep, then it keeps you a little bit more honest as well. It also allows you to like just do more. Like the last chin up, the last like weighted chin up I did in the gym two days ago, I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm spent. Like getting, getting up above the bar this last time is going to be really hard. And I just became very mindful of the muscles I was using and I became very focused on what I was about to do. And I, before I started the pull up, I focused or the chin up, I focused on the form and what I wanted the form to look like when I was pulling myself up. Mm. And then when I started it, I focused on the muscles. Yeah. And it was fucking hard, but I was able to do it. Right. Yeah. There's something about gaining knowledge and like attaining information that like helps you focus that I think allows you to perform more, you know, you just feel a little bit smarter, a little bit more savvy. Yeah. Um, what do you do for recovery, if anything? Do you stretch? Lots of stretching. Um, Yoga lots or of water. just like static stretching or all dynamic? The, all of the above. Like I, I've, I've been doing kind of – it's been a while since I actually went to a yoga session, but I definitely remember most of the flow from Core Power, and I'll do that here randomly, yeah. often in the morning or at night. Down, it feels so good. Down Dog, is, it's a free app. I mean, you can pay for it, but – yeah. It's a pretty good app that I've used for home home yoga sessions. It's really good. I like it a lot. Yeah. I don't recommend it. I'm sure there's lots of other ones, but that's the one I've used. Water and sleep, like those things, like I will always get better at my sleep. Uh, yeah. What else you got? That's all. Can't wait for the summer, dude. Paddleboarding gods. Paddleboarding. I know. I've still never been. I've always wanted to. Full body. Dude, meditating on a paddleboard, you don't even realize, man. On a day where there's not a ripple on the water and you go meditate, it's a it's truly a different world. Really? Yeah. Why? I was because you just know you're floating and you're kind of uh, interesting. And for the most part I've done it by myself. So I'm I'm removed from so many distractions. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm in, when I'm sitting in my living room, like I know I'm in my living room. I know my, all the distractions are at my fingertips. You go out there and most of the time when I do it, I'll go out there to meditate. Yeah. You know, so you go out there and ironic in most cases you like, I'll bring my phone, but like to like follow along with some sort of guided system but when you're out there and you're just floating and it's calm and you don't have to worry about anything, yeah, nobody's it's a safe spot. You're not hearing someone like walk by. You're not hearing your neighbors. You're not thinking about really the next thing you're gonna do or work. Um, oof, it feels so good. And there's something I think there's something natural about um, just being in nature. It gets you a little bit closer to a general kind of primal state where you yeah. weren't you know you're you know like when you go on a hike when you get to some destination you're like man something about this feels different yeah you know and so when you go meditate it's like it encourages you to not care about even if i'm 100 yards from home i'm not thinking about work at all yeah I'm like or what i'm going to do that night or any sort of thing that's pending 
Um, so yeah, you'll definitely have to get out there with me on there. And you can do a lot of stuff. You can do like I'll I'll do some like core workouts. I'll do some yeah. push-ups and stuff, which is super cool with the stability. Yeah, I would love that. I've always wanted to do it, just never have. Yeah, I just got my couple weeks ago i got probably a month ago i got booties so i go out there i saw those i was like what are these it's great i thought about going out today but i i figure it's just too like 38 degrees yeah and i went out when it was 45 like a month like when i first got them the day i got back from san diego and i just had it was beautiful no waves and i've the difference is i've gotten good enough to where like even in the summer a day of chop like i'm probably i'm pretty confident that i'm not going to fall mm-hmm so that's the thing in the winter, like you don't want to fall in, you know? So I got the booties because the feet, your feet are actually, even since I've gone out there, my feet haven't even gotten wet. I dipped my feet in there just to like prepare myself, like in case my feet do get wet, what does it feel like? But you can't be a beginner in the winter unless you want to wear a wetsuit and you don't mind dealing with that. But I would never want to fall in, but super fun. It's funny, I didn't even write that down, but that's like a, that's been a new aspect to, uh, definitely to my fitness. It's such a great thing because I can just throw it out there and go for, and you can, you can alter it. You can just cruise slowly, um, or you can like really engage your core and like your standing shoulder, like slightly wider than shoulder width apart. And you're like reaching out using your core to like prepare, Mm -hmm. propel yourself through the water you can get as hard of a workout as you want, yeah. you know, in a short period of time, or you can just like leisurely float around, you know, I'm excited to do it. Yeah. That'll be fun. Um, shout out. Shout outs. <laughs> Life lab. We love you. Signing out of the lab. Love y'all. Night night. <laughs>